Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you, Jesus. Will you stand to your feet this morning and would you just lift up your voice and just begin to praise Him? Would you thank Him for that blood today? Would you thank Him for His love and His mercy today? Come on, somebody, lift your voice to Him. He's worthy today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Aren't you glad that you made it to the house of the Lord today? I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to feel His presence. I'm going to ask you to turn into your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verse 1 through 11. I certainly don't take this as anything less than an honor and a privilege to stand behind this desk. Not only behind a a pastor that is God sent behind a man that spoke the infallible word of God to us this morning and the opportunity to speak to some of the most wonderful people that I believe that has ever walked the face of the earth. I love this church. I love the people of this church. Because when I was lost in sin, and I found my way back to God. When I came here, I didn't feel indictment, but I felt love and mercy, not only from God, but from His people. And I am so eternally grateful for this church. And I'm eternally grateful for each and every one of you. And it is an honor to stand before you. I don't have it all together. I don't stand before you as someone who is an expert. So I take my words measured because I know that I stand before people that know the Word of God and have lived it day after day. Yet today I feel I feel a warning in my spirit. And I feel like God has impressed on me something to say and I'm going to do my best to do it. And so I just need you to help me. If you'll pray for me and if you'll just if you'll just preach with me today, I believe that we can I believe that we can walk away from here with something from God. Second Timothy four and one says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word of God. 
be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of the ministry. For now I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but unto them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is parted unto Thessalonica, Cretans to, Ga- to, to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And in verse 11, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for for the ministry. Can you just pray right now and ask God to have his way in this place? Would you sincerely pray from the bottom of your heart that God would speak in this house? Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you, Lord, for this place. God, for the hour that you have afforded for us to be here. God, help us to never take it for granted, God, but help us to hold fast to the truth, God, that you have given us. And help us today, God, to receive this word with gladness and with joy, God, and we'll forever give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. Only Luke is with me. I'm just going to speak to you from this point today. It might not make a whole lot of sense right now, but hopefully by the end it will. But I'm going to just speak today from my heart from this title, Don't Look Back Now. Everything that Paul was writing to Timothy about is, and in some cases, already coming to pass. There seems to be an overwhelming sense of accomplishment in the lives of people today. To just hear good words or a good advice or, or a feel-good type message. And that happens even in the church world. I understand that the gospel and the word of God is good news. I believe that it is. I believe that it's good news because Paul said in Second Timothy 3 and 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness. But it would seem today that in our society, and even in the church, people don't want instruction. And they would rather not have correction. And they certainly don't want to have anything to do with rebuke. Sadly, in many cases, doctrine is being watered down. And it's so much so that it's inconceivable and even unrecognizable. In, in seems as though as people are satisfied with living just however they feel during the week. And then if there's time on the calendar, if there's room in the schedule, then they'll grace the Lord with their presence one day. 
avoid the truth at all costs and just tell me what I want to hear. But that way of thinking, it's, it's skewed and it's exactly opposite of how God intends for man to live. You cannot be saved listening to what you want to hear. And you will not be saved without a man of God who will speak into your life. There must be instruction. And there must be reproof. Sometimes even chastisement. Everything that has been written in the Bible about the end time, in the, in, in the beginning to reveal itself, it's beginning to reveal itself today. And it's absolutely happening while we speak. There are earthquakes. And there are pestilence and rumors of wars. And just like Jesus said there would be, immorality is on the rise. And the love of God and His Word is on the decline. Seemingly everything is in a dreadful state. Seems as though every day it just gets worse and worse. And it doesn't look hopeful. In the grand scheme of things, it just looks dark. The state of the world is decaying and Darkness is closing in and sin is more rampant today than it has ever been in the past. But can I tell you today that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And in this ever-darkening climate, the church will shine. Our greatest days are not behind us, but they are in front of us. But that's not a license. Because grace abounds, that's not a license to do However you feel, or however you feel, if there were ever a time not to flirt with disaster, that time is now. If there were ever a time not to spend time looking at the world and figuring out how close you can caress that line, that day is today. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but that light is Jesus Christ, and He has instruction, He has judgment. He is a God of love, but He is also a God of judgment. And we can't live however we feel. Jesus is coming back, and knowing that should send us running into His arms and into what God has for us. What is that exactly? Well, it's what Paul wrote about. It's that crown of righteousness for all who uh, of His appearing. Jesus is coming back for a people who are called by His name. He's coming back for a people who are looking for His return and not busy looking elsewhere. He will return for them who love Him and are devoted to Him, devoted to His Word and devoted to His truth. He is returning for a people who are not taking any chances on looking back behind them, but that are patiently awaiting, working, and devoted to the kingdom. There is no time for looking back. Jesus said in Luke 9 and 62, and this is going to be the major focus of what we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to do my level best to make it back to 2 Timothy. <laughs> Luke 9 and 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Here we find the end of a conversation between Jesus and some of his disciples, or at least men who said they wanted to be. 
This particular conversation is recorded in two Gospels, but Luke takes the information just a bit further. When he says, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The word here, looking, denotes more than just a quick glance or a one-time thing. It is an act ongoing and literally a means to discern of the bodily eye, with the bodily eye, to be possessed of sight, to turn the eyes to anything, to look at, to look upon or gaze at. Metaphorically, Jesus was saying to discern mentally, observe, perceive, discover, and understand. To turn the thoughts or direct the mind to a thing. To consider, contemplate, to weigh carefully, to examine. What is he saying? He's saying that there is a goal that has to be made. It's not a journey for the faint of heart. Sometimes it's very arduous and it's very tedious. Plowing is no easy task and it's hard work sometimes. It takes fortitude and it takes resolve and a can-do attitude. It will seem hard at times and it will make you feel like quitting. Possibly looking back and longing back to that place before you started. Second-guessing yourself. And your decision that you've made. That's why Jesus said, don't look back. Don't give place to that type of thinking. Look forward and stay with the plow. It will give less time to think about those things. And it will give less of an opportunity for that kind of stuff to arise. Don't look back because there's danger in looking back. There's danger in longing for the old ways. Take the children of Israel, for instance, miraculously spared by God. They were brought out of bondage and into, out of Egypt, brought out of the depths of despair and rescued from the enemy, but immediately began to long for the things of Egypt. And ultimately their past hindered their present and it affected their future because they kept looking back to Egypt and their bondage. In Numbers 11 and 5, they said, We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. They didn't say they remembered their bondage, their beatings, and the murder of their children and their family. They remembered the things that brought them no gain whatsoever. They forgot the hardship of how over 400 years they cried for God to deliver them. Yet when their deliverance came, they desired bondage over freedom. They allowed temporary circumstances. And the fear of the unknown cloud their judgment, causing them to long for their past. When you live in the past, You'll never have a future with God. And as Christians, no matter where you find yourself today, whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way, we should never, ever dwell on the past 
because it can hinder your future. Psalm 91, David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. He said, I'll focus all my attention on you with my whole heart. I'll focus my mind and everything that I am to you and you alone. When the Bible talks about the heart, metaphorically, it's always talking about the mind. Because the battle that we face begins and ends in the mind. Your focus and your intent will always determine the outcome of the battle. It's where your mind is and what you're looking at. Whether we want to believe it or not, there is a battle that's going on. The enemy is attempting to draw away mankind from God. Whether they're living for him or not. The focus is being shifted to other things. The attempt to focus on other things and taking the worship away from God and placing it on worldly desires. That could absolutely be anything, worldly desires. We could, we could absolutely fill in the blank with that. And that's why David said, with my whole heart, not just part, and not just sometimes, but when I wake up in the morning until I lay my head down at night, with my whole heart and everything that I am, will I focus upon you. But, and there's always a but, unfortunately we as human beings and fleshly beings, we possess certain characteristics being born into sin. We're born with the with the tendency to sin and, and to live in that sin. And even after salvation, there's a tendency to look back and possibly even long for the old ways that we came from and that false sense of freedom that the world affords. But that's just it today. It's false. It's false freedom. It's only a mirage. It's created by the enemy, especially designed to get you to peer back into the life that you were saved from. But it's a false sense. It's fraudulent. Jesus said that any man that puts his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He is most definitely looking today for men and women who will give him all that they are and trust him with all that they have. Not looking into the past, but trusting him with their future. There's purpose in not looking back. There's warning in not looking back. Hear this today. Let's look at Luke 17 and 31 through 32. Jesus said in that day, He which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And in verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Jesus here is speaking of his return. And he warns that there won't be time to turn back. And at the same time be ready for the rapture of the church. Jesus takes it one step further in verse 32. He says, remember 
Lot's wife. She looked back and immediately lost her life. And the time that it took her to look back, she missed out on the salvation of God and lost everything in one moment of time. It doesn't matter what point the enemy gets you to look back. Whether it's immediately after being saved or whether it's miles and miles down your road in the walk with God. Whether it's just on the other side of your Red Sea experience or if it's years later. It doesn't matter. His purpose is one thing and one thing only. To make you look back and make you miss out on what God has planned for you. And what He has in store for your life and for your soul. We don't have time to look back. See if we can try to make it back around before it's all over with. Flirting with sin and with the world, it'll only get you caught in the most precarious of situations. And that's missing the sound of the trumpet. And that's putting it lightly. There simply isn't time. Jesus, he preaches and he teaches time and time and time again in the word of God on this principle. He says it over and over, parable after parable. I'm coming back. I'm going to return. He offers up instruction and very descriptive accounts of what that day will be like. One of those instances is in the parable of the ten virgins. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And I won't read it all for the sake of time, but... All ten of them were given the same opportunities. All ten of them were given the same chance to make it. Yet five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five foolish, foolish in the fact that they thought they had time. They thought they had time to spare. But when the bridegroom came, there was not enough time and they missed out on the marriage. It would be foolish on our part today, to think that we have all the time in the world to get things right with God. It would be foolish to think that we have the next day to get everything right with God before the last trump. But the truth of the matter is, no man knoweth the hour, and we're not promised our next breath. I've got to have my mind made up. I've got to have my mind set on the goal, because I don't have time to waste. And I don't have the time to look back and wonder what things could have been. I don't want to be foolish. And I certainly don't want to be rebellious. Because rebelliousness in your spirit will cause you not only to look back, but it will cause you to move in the wrong direction altogether. Jonah heard the voice of the Lord. He heard His word. He had a mandate. He was to go and preach to that city, Nineveh. But Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. The Bible says he flew, he fled from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. Tempted to flee into Tarshish. If you look at a map of where Tarshish is in reference to Nineveh and where Jonah was when he heard the voice of the Lord, It is in the absolute opposite direction of where God told him to go. Rebelliousness and resistance to God's word 
It will always make you go down and backwards. And it ultimately has the potential to land you in hell. Jesus called it outer darkness. Where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, but I want to avail myself to the word of God. And allow him to lead me and guide me. Because looking in the wrong direction, being resistant to his leading and guiding will eventually have me going in the wrong direction. Not just looking. Because you'll always travel. You'll always go in the direction that you're looking. You can't move forward if you're always looking back. You, you can do it. You might be able to, to seemingly go forward. But if you're always looking back behind you, your course will not be straight. You'll wind up somewhere that you never intended to go. You'll wind up somewhere where you, you have no idea where you are and your, your, your compass will be so out of whack. Always travel in the direction that you're looking. Where you set your eyes toward, it will determine your outcome. God intends for us to move forward and in the right direction and not backwards. Moving backwards, will it will cause your thinking to get backward. You'll begin to question God. You'll move away from it. And you'll begin to question whether He be right or not. Whether this word is true or not. Is it a heaven or hell issue? You'll begin to question You'll begin to question the man of God, whether he be true or not. Begin to question your standing with God, whether or not you believe in him. And moving in the wrong direction will cause you to question truth. Truth will inevitably cause you to be deceived. And so looking back ultimately will cause deception. Remember what I said before, Looking back on the past and dwelling on the past is a false hope. It's a false freedom. We must separate ourselves from the past. The truth of the matter is God has always, without a doubt, always required separation from His people. He called Israel out of Egypt. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. And he called you and I out of darkness. His intent was for us to stay out and into his marvelous light. Out of darkness. Out of the past. And into the intended future that we have in him. As I already stated, there is a reason for this, for not looking back. Because looking back will affect your future. Looking back now could cause hesitation in the future. Remember the children of Israel, when God was giving them the land of promise. Could it have been that all the complaining, and all the groaning, and all the longing for the old ways in the wilderness, prior to God giving them the land, could it have been that all of that caused them to wander in the wilderness? Could it, could it have caused them to not hear the voice of God just right and move with a more measured step? Could it have been a lack of confidence that they displayed then? 
that they actually caused them to do what they did. I believe that train of thought holds merit and it certainly warrants our attention. Our attitude toward God now will most certainly affect us. It will affect our future and the future of generations to come. God never told Israel to send spies into the land. He told them to take the land. Yet they they moved with a more measured step. They backed away and said, wait a minute, we need to think about this for a minute. We don't know what's on the other side of that, that border. We may, might need to look at this for a minute. But God didn't tell them to do that. God told them to move forward. That He was there. He had already given them the land. But could it have been all of that other stuff, all of that other mindset had them so twisted that they did not hear the voice of God? It did affect them then, and it did affect their future. Remember Lot's wife again. She looked back, but not only lost her life, it caused her to lose her family. Because of her choice, her two daughters committed a sinful act. Two nations were born out of that that would bring hardship to the children of Israel in the future. King Saul, because of his hesitation and disobedience on the part of Saul, the very thing that he was supposed to kill ended up killing him. The decisions you make today will most likely and most definitely have lasting effects on your future and the future of your family. You cannot throw one rock into water and only have one ripple. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. And it's going to keep going until it decides to stop. That's what one decision, that's what one decision right now could affect the future. This is serious business. You cannot think that living for God in a cavalier manner and flirting with the old ways will not bring tragedy and heartache in the future. It most definitely will. But rather, we must be on fire for God, living for Him with all that we have, and moving forward in Him and in the promises that we've been given. Looking back now is not an option. We are living in the last days. I am absolutely certain of it. You can't open a newspaper. You can't look at the news without seeing it. You can't turn on a radio without hearing it. You can't leave your home without feeling it. Something is happening. Something is stirring and God is moving. And you can just feel that something is about to happen. It's too dangerous right now to look back. I've repeated it over and over and over to make a point. We cannot look back for a second. Take driving for existence. And I certainly don't want to insult anybody's intelligence today, but I felt like this was fitting. You can't afford to look away for one second when you're driving. You're operating a vehicle. Some people operate vehicles that probably 
shouldn't be on the road. You've got people that have vehicles that you would have to have a special license to drive, and they just drive that to work. You're operating a a a metal box that's got a motor in it that will make it go fast. You can't look away for a second. At least you're not supposed to. That doesn't mean we don't see people doing that. People texting. People looking back in the back seat. I've seen people getting dressed. I've seen people shaving. So it doesn't mean that people don't do it. But what will and most inevitably will happen is a catastrophic event that will result in serious bodily injury and possibly even death. Your walk with God is no different. You can't move forward in Him if you're constantly looking at other things to distract you. You're always looking back. Life is fragile. And it doesn't take much. And it doesn't take much to end. Doesn't It, it doesn't take much to, to be over with. And if you make it to the end, it's nothing more than a vapor. It's too serious to be playing around with. And allowing all these setbacks to put you back. And to make you step back. Life is fragile. I sort of kind of uh, maybe struggled with this a little bit to to bring this up. But I feel again that it's fitting. Pardon the personal reference. But I've always been a, I've always been a fast driver. My grandfather said I had a lead foot. And... Um, I'm not bragging about that. That's that's not a good thing. But I've never really thought about how fragile life really is. I mean, you hear things, you hear people uh, getting in accidents and, and things of that nature, and it, but you don't really think about that until it happens to you. Now, I remember one morning a few months ago when uh, Amy and I were... Uh, on maternity leave, she was on maternity leave, and I was going back to work probably the first or second day, and it was raining really, really hard, and for some reason, I took her vehicle that morning, and it didn't have really good tires on it, and I remember going up a hill, uh, I, I don't think I was driving that fast, I, I think I was paying attention, I feel like I was, but there must have been some water on the road, and I caught that water, and I hydro, I've never hydroplaned in my life. And so I had no idea what that would feel like, and I didn't know what was happening. But I didn't have time to think. It happened so fast. The next thing I know, I was in the opposite direction of where I was going, traveling at a high rate of speed backwards into a ditch. Now, God spared me. I'm, I'm here to testify that God spared me, and that vehicle was not even damaged. But it made me think of how quick and how powerful life can turn at the, at the twist of a moment before we even know what is happening. It can be over with. And so your walk with God, it's important. It's important that we take this seriously every day that we wake up, that we have in our mind, this could be the day that He could come back. This
this could be the day that he could open those skies and I could go meet him in the air. If I'm ready to do that, I have to be ready. Life is fragile. It doesn't take much. Paul said to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience with both hands on the wheel. I don't want to forget where God has brought me. Hear me. I don't want to forget what He's brought me from. Miraculously brought me out of things that I don't even want to talk about today. I don't want to forget that. But I don't want to go back there. I don't want to turn around and long for that and think, well, it wasn't that bad or I didn't I didn't rob any banks or I didn't kill anybody, so I guess it was okay. And it doesn't seem all that good right now because of what we see in the news and, and, and it's scary that, 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 that we don't know what's going to happen in the next day. So maybe I'll just back away a little bit because it's 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 scaring me a little bit. So I, I don't wanna I don't wanna get into this all the way. It's not worth it. It's not worth looking back and longing for that. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your effort, but we've got to move forward in Him and move forward in the promises that He's given us. The reward is so much greater than the circumstance. The reward is so much greater than what you see right now. He has a plan for your life. He desires to see you saved. He desires to see you whole. And He desires to see you on that great day. I want to see Him. And I want to hear Him say, well done. I'm coming to a close if our musicians will get ready. So we talked about not looking back. We talked about what not to do. And up to this point it may have seemed a little negative, but I've got some positive for you. How do we do this? In a world that's vying for our attention, how do we stay on course? I've already mentioned some of it in Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's the key. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus didn't look back. God robed himself in flesh, and he walked among men, and he endured the death of the cross. He didn't waver. He didn't falter. His mind was made up, and you and I are the recipients of it today. Salvation is here, 
Because Jesus didn't become distracted and he didn't look back. He didn't hesitate. He cared enough for you and I and he endured the pain and the agony. He is our greatest example. And that brings me back to 2 Timothy 4 and 10. You might ask why. Well, I'm going to tell you. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. In prison, no less, but still faithful. Faithful to the ministry. Faithful to the gospel. And faithful to Jesus Christ. How did he do it, you may ask? He was there. He was there on the day that Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Something happened to Luke that day. Those words, they did something to him. It was enough that he wrote them down. And from that day forward, he followed Jesus. He walked beside him. He witnessed the miracles. He spent time listening to his words. He spent time in the presence of the Lord, allowing Him to mold Him and cultivate Him and change Him. He spent time with the Master. He got to know Him. And He cultivated a relationship with Him. It was through all of this that developed an attitude in Him that said, whatever happens, happens. I've met the Master There's nothing that this world can offer me. And there's nothing that my past can bring that can compare to him. Even when the road became rocky, he didn't know what to do. He kept his eyes on Jesus. Through correction and through instruction, he kept his eyes on him. When the words got tough to hear and hard to swallow, he just kept his eyes on him. When the persecution arose and times got rough, he just kept his eyes on him. And when Jesus was crucified, he kept his eyes on him and patiently awaited his return and continually worked for the kingdom. You and I today are no different. We must do the same looking unto Jesus forever going to make it. If we're ever going to get this, we've got to get it inside of us. We've got to get His life inside of us. We've got to get His Word inside of us. And we've got to get His Spirit inside of us. His mindset. The more you spend with Him, the more time you spend with Him, the less time you'll have to look back. The more time we spend in the Word and in prayer, And in relationship with Him, the less time you'll want to look back. The more we look to Him, the less we'll want to look back at our past. 
or the world or even the circumstances around us. No matter where you find yourself today, you can turn your eyes toward Him. I implore you today, turn your eyes towards Him and don't look back. Take your eyes off of whatever it is that is trying to get your attention and look it unto Him because there isn't time. There isn't time. We have no time. It's, 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 we're in the end. We're at the home stretch. So don't look back now. Can we stand today? Can you, can you lift your voice today? Will you just start to praise Him right now? Hallelujah. Will you make that declaration today that you're not going to look back? Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your mercy today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.